How many times have you heard or maybe you've said the sentence, life's not fair? My mom used to say it to me all the time when I would complain about things my brothers got to do that I didn't get to do or the fact that I got in trouble for something that I thought they should have gotten in trouble for. And what I didn't realize at the time was that she wasn't just brushing me off. She was telling me a truth that was way bigger and wider than I realized because it's profoundly true that life is in fact not fair. The same frustrations that we had as a kid about uh, getting busted for somebody else's uh, sins or you know, so the kid down the street getting a bike that we didn't get are, are magnified thousands of times over as we get older and start to realize how the world works or maybe I should say how the world doesn't work. We see oppressors in positions of power. We see it at every level of government. We even see it in the church sometimes. We see it in the home with oppressive parents. We see injustice around us all the time. We see innocent people uh, condemned for crimes they didn't commit and guilty people go free and the justice system fail to, to regulate these things in a way that, that seems right. And it's not, it's not constant, but it is around us all the time. We've even gotten to the point where the word power is something we probably feel a sense of skepticism toward because power is so often abused. It's so rare to hear that somebody has used power for good, to defend the innocent, to uphold justice. Most of the time, we hear abuse of power. And Ecclesiastes addresses this very thing in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power. On the side of their oppressors, there was power. That's what I was just talking about. That idea that power is used for injustice in our life under the sun. That's a mark of Genesis 3 on this world. We especially see this injustice towards the poor in our society because money is a means of power. And frankly, it's been that way through all societies and all of history. Wealth is a means of freedom. It's a means of agency. And so people without wealth are at the mercy of those who have it. And Ecclesiastes points out that this has been this way throughout all of history. Ecclesiastes 5.8 tells us not to be surprised when the poor are oppressed by the rich. It tells us that that is the norm and it has been this way since the beginning throughout all of history. So the picture that we're getting here is that injustice is almost the norm in our world. That doesn't mean it's right, it doesn't mean we're okay with it, but it means it's around us all the time. Life under the sun is not the way it ought to be. It's not aligned with God's priorities and God's justice. And more than just the injustice of man, the injustice that's perpetrated one person against another or one class against another, there's one great injustice that Ecclesiastes highlights. And it is, it is no respecter of persons. It doesn't, it doesn't favor the rich over, uh, over the poor. It doesn't favor the educated over the uneducated. It doesn't favor the strong over the weak like so many other injustices do. This injustice is an equal opportunity injustice that comes for us all. And that injustice is death. The second half of Ecclesiastes 3 lays it out for us like this. It says, 
in the place of justice there was wickedness. And then it goes on to say that the same fate befalls both man and beast. So death is something that's not even an injustice amongst humans. It's something that every living being faces. And then it says, all are from dust and to dust all return. So death is not merely the stop button on life. It's not merely the passive end of every living thing. It's the clearest mark of the fact that life under the sun is not the way God intended it to be. It's not his design. And this is why we ache when we encounter death, when we lose someone close to us especially. And not just that aching and void and sense of it's not supposed to be this way, but sometimes even anger, anger at death. The idea that this is not right, this is not how it's supposed to be. That sensibility is of God because death is, as Ecclesiastes says, an injustice. We started this study on Ecclesiastes looking at the idea of vanity of vanities and the fact that um, nothing we do comes to full fruition. And that's true of our efforts at justice as well and our desire for things to be the way they're supposed to be. There is an incompleteness in that. So all of the efforts we throw into pursuing justice, to making things right, to bettering the world, are in a sense vanity. Does that mean they're wrong? Does it mean they're pointless? Not at all. But it means they're not complete. It means they won't come to fruition. And it means at no point in this life will we be able to eradicate injustice. Now that sounds so fruitless and demoralizing. It raises again that question of what is the point? But we need to remember at this point that the context for this is under the sun. So the pursuit of justice is vain under the sun. But life under the sun is supposed to lift our eyes to a different and better reality. A reality defined by God's wishes, God's desires, and God's power. And that's justice. That is the way things will be and the way that God intends them to be. So rather than feeling fruitless here, we lift our eyes to God in our pursuit of justice under the sun. Now what does that look like? There's a repeated theme throughout Ecclesiastes of fearing the Lord. And we have a whole session on this later where we will really dive into fearing the Lord. But how that affects the pursuit of justice is this. Part of fearing the Lord is living as if the Lord is real and present and in control of our reality right now. So even under the sun, it, we're not living in the absence of God's power. We're living in a broken relationship with God in a world broken. So we still fear the Lord now. So that means in our pursuit of justice, we have a just God to rely on, to count in, to lean on, and to put our hopes in so that we can press on in pursuing justice, praying for justice, and hoping for justice under the sun. One of the hardest times to do that is when we see perpetrators of injustice thriving. And I mentioned earlier that we see this at the highest levels of government. We see it amongst the wealthiest people. So it looks to us like injustice pays off. It brings about wealth and success and peace and happiness and power. Power begets power. Injustice gives power. And so it becomes this vicious cycle. So it's hard to look at this and go, how do I fear the Lord when the, the unjust thrive? Well, Ecclesiastes tells us that fearing the Lord means that we are looking at him as both more powerful and more real and more lasting than any of that. So God didn't abdicate his responsibility for creation. He didn't abdicate his sense of justice. 
There is brokenness, but God will one day bring about justice through His Son, Jesus Christ. So we are fearing that God. We are putting our hope in that. One of the ways we do this is by obeying those very specific commands that God has given us in His Word. Let me give you a couple to consider. Micah 6.8 tells us to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with our God. Did you catch that? Do justice. So justice may seem pointless and vain because we won't eradicate injustice in this world, but God told us to do justice. And then he tells us how. He tells us to do it by loving mercy, giving people what they don't deserve, overflowing in kindness. And then he says, walk humbly with your God. What is that but fearing the Lord? So that means that we are doing justice and loving mercy by reliance on the Lord, by remembering that He is the one who brings about justice and we are simply walking in the path He has laid before us. So even in life under the sun, where injustice will abide with us, we do justice, we show mercy, and we fear the Lord in that as our means to to do it well. Now consider the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, where He says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, love your neighbor doesn't necessarily sound like justice, but consider this. Whose rights are you most likely to stand up for? Your own. So loving your neighbor means to stand up for the rights of your neighbor. And elsewhere, Jesus tells us that our neighbor is really anyone we come in contact with, anyone we have an opportunity to care for. So loving our neighbors as ourselves is not merely affection. It's not not warm feelings only. It is doing justice on behalf of our neighbors. So to love our neighbors as ourselves is to fight for their comfort, their rights, what is best for them in the same way that we would be inclined to do for ourselves. So what do we have here but a full picture of doing justice, loving mercy, walking humbly, which means fearing the Lord, and then extending that outwards to those we are in a circle with, our neighbors, as Jesus commanded, doing everything for their good during life under the sun, despite the fact that there is vanity in it. It does come to an end. It is incomplete, but it is good. It is what we're called to as followers of Jesus Christ. So we can't read Ecclesiastes and become fatalistic. We can't read it and think, well, all is vanity, so just tap out. Just hole up, hunker down, let the world go by, let injustices happen. Rather, we need to approach the world, approach life under the sun, with realism, not idealism. So we can't withdraw, we have to be realistic. For some of us, our tendency is towards idealism, the idea that we are gonna, we are gonna, we're gonna finish injustice, we're gonna complete this mission. And frankly, we're not. That's what vanity means. But that doesn't mean we don't pour into it. We live in an age right now, especially of social media and of the mass media coverage, where we are aware of, mostly because of smartphones, every crisis in the world, every injustice in the world, every tragedy in the world, and we feel the weight of that. So what is being realistic, not idealistic, in that context looks like? Idealism feels the need to solve every one of those problems. And frankly, that's a God-given desire. That's not a bad thing. It's just an unrealistic thing because we fear the Lord. We are not the Lord. We can't solve the world's injustice like that. So what do we do instead? We hand over every injustice that is too large for us to God. 
We fear the Lord in that. And then we confront the injustices that are right in front of us, among our neighbors. We love our neighbor as ourselves. We love our neighborhood as ourselves. We do the things that God has specifically given us to do within our sphere. And when we do this, we are contributing to good. It is not a waste of time. Ecclesiastes 2.13 says this. It says, there is more gain in light than in darkness. Well, that sounds obvious, but if we're talking about a bleak world, that, that may come into question. But it says so. It says there is more gain in light than in darkness. And when we love our neighbors as ourselves, when we fear the Lord and stand up against injustice, when we do those things in reliance on Him, we are bringing the light of reality with God above the sun into this world under the sun that is so marked by injustice.